I'm Jason Bailey-Losh, and you're listening to Seeing is Forgetting, conversations on contemporary art and culture in Los Angeles and beyond. Today's guest is Lazarus. He's an old friend and an artist. We discuss magic, astral oracles, cults, religious movements, American folklore, and objects retaining power through intent. So, here's Lazarus. Lazarus, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we've been planning this for a while, and you have been all over the goddamn place in (laughs) in terms of shows and traveling. What was it? Was it Romania? Yeah, it was in Romania a few months ago. Let's go back, I guess. We know each other. We've known each other... Four years. Has it been that long? Yeah. Wait, mountain school? Mountain school, yeah. Okay. Holy shit, really? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so we met at Mountain School when I first moved out to Los Angeles. I figured I needed to like meet people and do something, so I... Wait, you had just moved here, too? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Did you as well? I moved for the Mountain School and then I... decided to stay. Fuck, I forgot all about that. Okay, so you you and I were both here. I was here for maybe half a year or something like that, and then or a year, and then I applied. So Mountain School, for those who don't know, Mountain School is a alternative school that's put together by Piero Galea and Eric Wesley and some other individuals out here in Los Angeles. And it's, it was, our year was loose as far as uh, schooling, to say the least. I think we had like weekly meetings with people like Paul Schimmel or Jorge Pardo. Simone Forti was great. Simone Forti was really, really great. I think for me, the thing that I got out of it most, those, those individual meetings were fine, but for me, it was the friendships that I gained. So like meeting you and meeting some of the other people, Summer Guthrie was in our... And Michael Tebow. Michael Tebow. Tanya. Yeah. All my closest friends are from the mountains. I know. Isn't that funny? So it really, as far as I'm concerned, it really opened up a a different group of um, people I really care about and I consider close friends now, including you. Oh yeah. Same here, dude. Yeah. So it's really nice. So... Long time coming. I'm glad you're finally here. I was also saying before we started the show, one of the things that I normally do as a prep to get all these things ready is I do a bunch of research and then I'll have all these notes so that if I, if the person is extremely not boring, but, uh, yeah. doesn't, doesn't know what to say next, I'll, do, <laughs> yeah. I'll jump to the next thing. So for tonight though, I didn't do pretty much didn't do any of that. I have a couple notes here, but I figured we'd just riff and talk about like where you're at in the process because you have some you have some really interesting sort of crazy shit going on <laughs> and it's it's way different than where you were when we first met 4 years ago. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Let's talk about your history a little bit. Where are you from? Uh Salt Lake City. Yeah, born there. Lived there most of my life, but lived in Mississippi for a while. How old were you there? North Carolina. Like Mississippi, outside of Utah. Oh, actually, I went on a Mormon mission to Mississippi. So. Oh, you did? Yeah. So you were so older. So I was like 19. So you were a Mormon? I was a Mormon. You, well, you, I'm, still te- I'm still technically a Mormon. How does that work? I'm still a member. You didn't renounce your... No, members? no. Do you would, do? Is that a thing people do? Yeah, it's a thing people do. So you didn't? No. Do you practice Mormonism at all? No. 
I mean, kind of. I mean, I don't go to church. I don't read the Book of Mormon. I don't. So ed- educate me a little bit if I if I sound unintelligent on any of these facts no, no, about Mormonism because no, I don't know much about it. It's a funny religion. I mean, Harold Bloom called it the American religion in a sense or one of a few religions. For what reason? Uh, because it, it, it really came out of the earth in a sense. It came out of American culture at a time that, well, it came from the psychic highway where... A lot of cults and religious movements uh, came out of an upstate New York. And I mean, really, Joseph Smith was... Did he it was, come, was it out of upstate New York? Upstate New York, yeah. Oh, I guess I didn't the, realize that. It's the Burnover District, early 1800s. In a way, I mean, he really was the best product of American folklore and magic and what was going on at that time. And he just happened to be the most charismatic storyteller and got people to follow him somehow. All the stories, all the things you hear about, I mean, a lot of people were seeing angels and finding gold things. And where he happened to get a following and was quite charismatic about it. But his... Do you, you think know, that was opportunistic, though? No, I think he really believed it. You think the, he did? Absolutely. I don't think he was just taking advantage of You don't people. think he was a... No, I mean, if he wanted to... Charlatan trying to... No, I think because he really this is, believed Because this is it. the knock on Mormonism, right? With the ruby glasses and... Yeah, it's funny. I was, I was talking to an anthropologist a few days ago, and he was saying that there was this recent researcher who was talking about who, who believes that he made those gold plates out of lead through that transmutation or through him forging those and actually believing that they came from God. And then, and then they became real, like through that action, like he had witnesses that saw them. That so wait, they are, the, were real. are the gold plates still around? I mean, he said that like an angel took them back. Isn't that very... Yeah, but I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> no, I know, for sure. No, no, no. I mean, you asked me if I practice, I don't. I don't believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet. I, I don't believe in a white God. I don't even believe in God. But I think the origins of that faith really... They speak to you. Well, I think they speak to all of us. I mean, to our primitive selves and like who we are. It's it's a I mean, it's a restorationist faith. So it's about restoring ancient knowledge and magic practices and all that. And it's all in there. It's in, it's in the cosmology. And it's really weird, but fascinating. And I think there's a lot of like truth in that in who we are as as humans. For those who don't know your practice, your practice is for me, when I look at it, and we were talking a little bit about this earlier, it's chock full of this idea that this is what I, objects retain power by what you put into it. Yeah, what your intention. Or what. Right. And that follows into this sort of magic and mysticism and spirituality. Like, is that accurate? Or when you look at your practice, and you've just had a show at Redling, when you think about your practice, it is very much in line with this idea of sort of faith or, or belief. T- talk to me about that a little bit. When I met you uh, four years ago, I was doing these superstitious ritual objects as sculptures, I guess. I mean, a, so explain objects, explain or, what some of those objects were. So like the first one I made was I put my fingernails in my door hinge. That's a way to bring wealth to your household. And I wasn't necessarily after wealth. And in wealth, I was thinking when I read that in this like folklore archive, I'm like, well, what does that mean? It doesn't say money. It just means wealth. Is that wealth? So that, like emotional Wealth yeah, it or could like be, monetary. I mean, so it's about your intention, I guess. It's like what you're putting into that ritual or that that gesture. I don't know. I was reading through this folklore archive and was like, that's really weird. That'd make a nice object, I guess. And this was the first one. Yeah, yeah. And that was like years ago. 
then just poured over lots of folklore archives. And then I moved to Haiti for six months. And were um, you drawn to the folklore archives because of the Mormonism and this idea of sort of the mysticism? and, Or, or was it just out of your own? No, no, it definitely it? came from that. I mean, I guess I was post-Mormon. Did you come directly from Salt, Salt Lake City? To here? Yeah. No, I came from Phoenix. What were you doing there? Getting out of Salt Lake City? Living for free with some family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Living for free with some family. So I was in Salt Lake, went to Mississippi, went to North Carolina. After that, I left my Mormon mission early. I was done with it. You were like, I've got to get out? or Yeah, I got to get out. It was pretty intense. I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a tangent again. Yeah. The Mormon mission. I want to speak about that later. Do you yeah, mind? Yeah, we can. No, we, let's talk about it. So just real quick, what is the intent of the Mormon mission? To convert people well, right, but for the person who's actually going out, is there any intent, or is it just to sort of get more Mormons into the faith? No, I mean it's like a spiritual quest, I guess, in like, your own like. So like, you're, and it's it's something you're expected to do. If you don't go, you're like, like kind of a black sheep. So your oats and well, if you're a guy, you should go. I, I think they're wanting girls to go more now, and they lower the age, so it's like. Well, how old do you have to be? I, I think like eighteen now. Is that crazy to you? Is that like... Yeah, it's crazy. Like I see these missionaries around in LA. They're like and they, kids. They're kids. I, it's rough. It's really hard. People like spit on you. They yell at you. You're out like wearing this goofy outfit. Yeah, what is it? Why Knocking is it? on people's doors. Everybody like, has to wear a uniform basically. Uniform and you're like forced to like be with someone that you may or may not want to be with. Like you have a companion, like a Oh, the individual who goes with you. Yeah, like you don't choose that. You're like assigned to someone and sometimes they're weird and not cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to like literally, you, you have to always be with them. So do you All, live with that person? Yeah, you live with them. You can never go out. Like you can't just like go see a movie by yourself. You have to go with that person? Yeah. Oh my God. So it's like a partner, like a marriage partner. Sort of. Like a- <laughs> I mean, but they switch it up every month or, I mean, sometimes you're, you have the same. So how long are these these trips? Well, they're two years. That's a long time. Yeah, I came back after a year and a half. Well, you can come home and see your family and everything. When no, you, you can't. What? You can't even talk to your family. You can't even call them on the phone. Are you kidding? Really? No. I for, mean, you, so like two, Mother's Day and Christmas. I think so for can, two years, you're expected to be completely removed from all these sort of connections? I mean, you can, you can write... Le- okay, I went and... 2002, 2003. So I still, I was actually writing letters to people at that time still, and then some email. Were you close to your family? Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, that's not an odd question. Sometimes maybe not, right? But like, so was it, that that had to be really difficult though. That's what I mean. Like that separation, the forced separation to be with some random. I mean, I went to the museum school for a year before I went. And so. Where at? The museum school in Boston. Boston. So you were were you already thinking about doing art then? As no, a, yeah, no. I knew I wanted to be an artist since like I was ever. like yeah, fifteen or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, since I was a little kid, and then I had this awesome high school teacher who was like super skilled and was like, yeah, you can do anything you want, and like really instilled this vision. I guess. So yeah, I wanted to be an art. Knew I was going to be an artist. Whatever. It was just. Went so, to the museum school. What, did you think that faith was going to be play a part in the the work that you're making as an artist, or did you think it was just going to be like a? I mean, when I was at the museum school, I was still Mormon. Was making art. Yeah, like what sort were you of, making? 
it's weird. I mean, just like weird performances and stuff. It did a lot of performance art. Based, pretty, based on the religion? More like personal narrative bullshit that people do in undergrad. But now in retrospect, it really makes sense. Like I found these old DVDs from then. You watch yourself? No, I didn't watch them, but I mean, I know what they are. <laughs> I should watch her. No, I can't. It's look, embarrassing. Look at myself. Oh my yeah, it's God. embarrassing. I haven't done any performance since then, except in Romania. I did a technically did kind of a performance thing. The the work that you're doing now could fall in that line a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, but we'll, we'll we'll go into that in a second. Yeah, we'll go into that in a minute. But yeah, yeah, out of performance, and then you had to go on your your mission basically for yeah. two years. You leave early. Did you when you leave early from that thing? Because it's like you're a black sheep if you don't go. Are you a black sheep if you leave early? Oh, totally. It was like dog with a tail between your legs. So you return home. Return home. Didn't know what to do with my life. Were your parents disappointed? No. I mean, they were trying to be supportive, but it was definitely like hush hush. Like Really? Yeah. So what do you, where do you go from there? I was going to go back to the museum school, but then I, is that what you're asking or you mean more as a... Uh, well, both. I mean, like physically, where do you go from there? And like sort of mentally, like what do you do? Like how do you move on from that and sort of get into... So I actually went to BYU after that, the Mormon school, Brigham Young University. I was just there for the first time like a month ago. Oh, you were? And I saw a spiral jetty. I drove out and saw Oh, yeah. Jetty. I saw your yeah. photos. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Utah's amazing. It's really gorgeous. Yeah. So I went there. Study art or what? Yeah, for art. Because it was like free. They actually offered me like a full ride scholarship before I went to the museum school. And I was like, fuck that. I'm going to go to the museum school. Because you got to get it out of Salt Lake. Yeah. And then I went back and then they basically got it all paid for again. And like, it was really cool. I mean, they got a $13,000 grant to do like weird sound art and work with these. That's amazing. Physicists who had an anechoic chamber and stuff. I was like in the sculpture department in some random building in the corner of the university and did whatever I wanted and was doing weird shit. People didn't really care. So in a way it was kind of, it was very independent. Sounds experimental and sort of. Yeah, it was super experimental, but now it makes sense. Actually, I was going through all my stuff in my studio. I'm going through my stuff now and found some old work. And although it's embarrassing to look at. It falls in line. With yeah, it falls in line. Yeah. I can see that trajectory now. I th- I'm sure it's true for most people. Uh, I don't know. I think you can see in your own way, you can see sort of that line of the trajectory into like what you're doing now. But I think probably for what you're doing, it makes more sense than what I was doing. It sounds like the things that you were doing were in line with where you're at now and why you're doing. The no. Yeah. Right built, I mean, so I started doing that superstition work when I was at, I think I was at BYU or I just graduated and I was starting to make folklore related work. So, so were you older because you had to do the two years out? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and then it took me eight years to, when did I graduate? Like what, 2012. Really? 11, at an undergrad? Undergrad. What the hell were you doing? Well, I took a, <laughs> well, I took a three-year break and I started an art center. Wait, uh, your own art center? Yeah, because like my friends had this music festival that they did where like the neon trees played at before they, no one knew who the fuck they were. And Imagine Dragons, too. Yeah, yeah, they're all from Provo. So they all played at our festivals, the Sego Music Festival. We were all, like, crazy and young. And they're like, do you want to do an art center? I'm like, sure. So we, like, opened this space. In Provo or in? In Provo, Utah, yeah. And this was, like, a year before the recession. So for people who don't know, too, Provo is 45 minutes south of Salt Lake City, right? Yeah, 45 minutes south. And that's where BYU is. So it's really sort of just a huge metropolis. Provo is sort of runs into Salt Lake City almost, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's south. It's like in the next valley south. It's the most conservative congressional district, I believe, in the country. So you ran an art center there for three years. Just a year. I don't. I don't know why it took me so long to. I to, don't know to do what to finish school. You were obviously working. No, I just did that art center, and then like, how the fuck did you have money? Like, where were you? How were you? Surviving? I mean, it's cheap as hell, and they were they were giving me money, like scholarship money and shit, and it, it was like nothing. To and live nobody there. cared that it was taking this long to finish undergrad. No, it, no, I was gonna transfer after like three years. That's when I really got into folklore stuff. Had some pretty. I was breaking every rule by the end with BYU. In like, what way? <laughs> if you like smoked a cigarette, you'd be expelled. If you had a drink, you'd probably be expelled. If you like You're breaking those rules. fuck someone, you'd be expelled. So You're breaking I, th- two of those three rules right now. I'm not going to say which two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, and then I lived up at Sundance while I was going to school there. How far and, away like, is that? 30 minutes away. Oh, that's it? But I lived in this cabin up there and was like smoking DMT and like, which was amazing. Whatever. I don't know. Do, do drugs play a part in how you think about the work? I don't know. I mean, I think they can be a vehicle for entering another dimension for sure. Like we all know that, but I think that it's one, it's like a quick access point, right. you know, in a way. And I think that you can achieve any state you can achieve on drugs like Without. through some other other ways yeah Yeah. through ritual or meditation or actually i had this argument once with this artist he's insistent that like all mystical practices were rooted in like drug use and right and it which i don't i i have a friend who thinks the same thing participated in a lot of ritual where a lot of alcohol is involved and sometimes drugs but it's not the primary vehicle. I mean, it's really about, it's, it's about other things. I mean, I think dance and physical actions of the body are probably more significant. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Sundance out of school eight years later. So did the art center, it shut down because it happened during the financial, like, yeah, it's 2008 and everything crashed and we got our nonprofit status and everything. But you couldn't raise money. We're going to get all these grants and then all these organizations, which, if anyone has started a nonprofit, they'll learn that you actually can't even get a grant until you're like three years old as a nonprofit. Like, fuck, like, what are we going to do? Because you're sitting there floating, waiting for the grant money to come in. Yeah, and you're supposed yeah. to support it for how long? And then you're in the hole because you've been supporting it for how long? Yeah, I mean, it was like shoestring and we did some cool stuff. But I also realized this is taking way too much time. I don't want to run an art center or a gallery. And so I'm glad I got that out of my system. I mean, I really admire people that do that, but for me, I want to make stuff, you know. You're an artist. Yeah. You need to be producing. Yeah. So it was a good learning. Not all all artists are like that. You're, you're somebody that needs to produce. I can, I just know that from you anyway. Like essentially you, you're out of school. You moved Phoenix. Moved to Phoenix, live with some family for free. Oh, and I was applying to graduate schools. Really wanted to go to grad school. Applied for like three years, got interviewed at a couple places, almost got in and was like really bummed about it. It's super depressing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my life's over, whatever. And then (laughs) actually, I think it was Chris Coy who you show with at a knot. Yeah, I wanted to bring up Chris too. He was like, dude, you should just go to the mountain school. I was like, what the fuck is a mountain school? And then he, so I I applied because of Chris and then. So Chris, Chris, first of all, Chris is an incredibly smart and really a great artist he joined my gallery here in los angeles and not uh, ebge 
because it's nice to have somebody like that in the program add depth. He's just a great guy, too. I'd say I'm probably one of his biggest fans. Yeah, he's really yeah. great. So he is from, he was Mormon as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Did Is he still Mormon or not? Uh, You'll have to talk to, him, to Maybe. him about that, yeah. I don't know. I think it, yeah. Um, but out of, did you go to school with him or what? BYU? I think he had finished or he was finishing when yeah. I was there, but he did film. So I didn't realize how many artists came out of that area. Paul McCarthy. Yeah, right. This is what I mean. Like there's a history, especially, I think. Matthew if you, Barney kind of did. I mean, Idaho. Well, like, And you look at that. Well, this which is, is totally Mormon country. Right. And you look at the work he's making and it totally fits in the spectrum of you can see exactly where it's coming out of. I mean, he made the whole, what was it? The Cree Master? Five or six, whatever one was about Gary Gilmore. I look at your work and I can see a, a correlation between the Barney stuff. It's more mystical. Like when I was at the museum school, Matthew Barney came and premiered Cree Master 3 at the MFA in Boston, the Museum of Fine Arts. I was like his biggest fan. What do you think of it now? I, I don't like it. I mean, I... One night, a number of years ago, I was, uh, well, I decided to like watch a couple movies. And so I watched the Utah Matthew Barton, Cremaster 5 or 6 or whatever. And then I watched Holy Mountain after that, Jadorowski. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. This is it. <laughs> this is so much better. No, there's this moment in Cremaster, it's either 5 or 6. Like, maybe I have the numbers all wrong, but where he's playing Gary, Gary Gilmore this guy who like killed three different people. Was he out of, where was he from? He was out of Salt Lake city or where was he? I think Provo. So, so he killed a guy in Provo or at the point of the mountain in between Provo and Salt Lake city. When he went to trial, he, he was, uh, he was given the death sentence. He asked to be shot by firing squad. So that's what happened because he wanted his blood spilled upon the ground. As like this atonement, which goes back, it's this blood atonement thing, which is a is Old a f- Testament uh, thing. But it's actually like a primitive belief as well that when you sacrifice an animal, you need to spill the blood upon the ground. Or there, there's all these superstitions about how to spill the blood, how to not spill the blood, whatever. So it goes way back. Actually, it's a pretty fascinating thing. Gary Gilmore was the first person to be executed after the federal ban on death row and. It was like 1977, I think. Anyway, what I'm getting into too many of the details, but he... No, this is fascinating. So yeah, so Matthew Barney's playing this guy. He played Gary Gilmore, and there's this scene in where he's at the in the point of the mountain at the Sinclair gas station in a Chrysler, of course, and there's like this, this thing connecting these two Chryslers. He's in this chamber and like putting this Vaseline on a string and this guy that's outside like gassing up the car who's, who's going to shoot later is like walking around or whatever and there's like this pan and it's like this really cinematic beautiful pan and then it totally slips like it jars you know yeah. I forget the term but yeah. like it's a psychological thing where you're a part of the narrative well I lost it then because it was a you think it was a mistake yeah it was just some shitty cinematography and like so here he's like trying to like produce these insane films and they are insane for sure but they're expensive as hell they're not that expensive i I think each one of those things i heard well it could be wrong but it was like a million bucks that's nothing for a movie yeah but if you're funding that i think the thing with like gladstone too she funded the first 
I don't know how many of the cream masters and then she wouldn't do it anymore is what. Yeah. But I mean, that's like pennies for a film for the effects that he's going for. I mean, no, that should a, be like a $20 million. Film, you're right. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. so here he's going after that sort of slickness and then watching Holy Mountain. It's like, wow, that thing's pretty real. And I don't know. It's a lot deeper too, in terms of the symbols and like Jerry Saltz, dealing- I remember said once like, Oh, like Matthew Barney, created his own universe and they're all his symbols and whatever. And well, they're not, they're not, they're not, there's like somebody knowing, else's symbols. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, and we all, you, we're all a product of our environments and our histories for sure. But like, and Jadorowski uses symbols from everywhere. As so is well. this, is this the difference between the film and art an art piece and a, a, a filmatic? I don't know if I care what you call it, but I do consider Holy Mountain one of the greatest artworks ever. So we're, we're jumping all over the place. Yeah, yeah, sir. No, it's my fault. I do it. I go on a tangent and I love hearing this shit. I want to talk a bit about what you're doing now and where you're at in the process of like what you're creating and how you're, you're doing the work you're doing. You are part of a coven. Well, and explain to those who don't know, but I'm sure everybody did. A coven is a, a group of witches or how does this? Yeah, we're not, we're not witches though. I mean, we do similar things that, that people would call witchcraft, I guess, but. So you're practicing rituals. I'm looking at the list of item, the spells and stuff that you offer. So you open up a, a, a shoot the lobster, right? Am I wrong here? Like shoot the lobster was in. No, yeah, it's uh, it's up right now. We have an esoteric shop. You can come get right. You know, here in Los Angeles, here in LA. Yeah. But let me read the the things you offer <laughs> okay, because it's yeah. important. It's really relevant. Yeah. Tarot, healing, love spells, candle magic, fortune telling, botanical medicine, psychic readings, home cleansing, crystal work, job spells, exorcisms, burials. So I mean, honestly, some of the way we're phrasing that is because we're trying to get clients and. But and, and we so you're an entrepreneur. No, I mean no. We we enjoy working with people. We do have a lot of people that we work with that we do magic for. I mean we're we're oracles, right? We call ourselves astral oracles, but people don't know what that means. And if well, you say I don't, witchcraft. Then I don't know it, what that means. People kind of so know like, what that means. How many people are in the coven? Is it switch? Is it is there like different numbers? Different numbers. Yeah. Well, there's four. Pretty much. How many so, people? How many people can be in a coven? Is there an unlimited number? There's no rules. I mean, that's the thing is we're not. We don't do any ritual or anything that we do. We don't abide by any predisposed system, and that that's our thing is that we we have our own way of doing things. But you have that a, comes from ourselves and comes from. But you have to be going off of some type of history of how these spells and things are performed, correct or not? No, no, we don't. I mean, we we look a lo- we look at a lot of things out of curiosity just to learn, but we're not. I know. Maybe you, I'm speaking more for myself than. For I know the you others. do a shit ton of research. I know you've studied the histories of a lot of these things. So some of the and and just from like your old objects and the artworks that you're making, those come from a history and sort of a a, a, a narrative that is lasted a very long time. Yeah, but I'm but I. The reason why I look at a lot of things is I'm interested in finding the things that really are a part of us innately, in a sense. Like, like the rituals we do aren't like Crowleyan. Like, like we have done tarot what do you readings. Mean Crowleyan, like Elias or Crowley. Like, there's a lot of predisposed rituals or like or like Wicca things where you can do a moon ritual in a very specific way, and you're supposed to say certain things, and you do 
whatever. And that, in my mind, starts to border on religion in a way. I mean, right. it's, it starts to become dogmatic. And, and so what we do is magic from ourselves. And we encourage people to do that as well as we work with them. And so, so this goes back to this idea, too, what we were talking about a little bit at the beginning, where I was talking about when I look at your work and how I think about it. But it's just like the intent is a whole, it's like 90% of what, what this is about. The energy that you put into it is how an object contains that energy and the amount of effort and sort of thought. You know, it's about your intention. It's about resetting your intention. And I, I'd say that I've, I've learned a lot this year about, like, as we worked with people, you know, initially, well, Lim, can I tell the story of kind of how it started? And stuff? Yeah, please like this. Yeah. 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 So I, I would love it. New Year's and here I'm saying things aren't drug induced, but this wasn't it. So, <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna also guess there might be a girl involved somewhere in here. No, I'm kidding. No, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm like rolling on Molly on New Year's this year, <laughs> and like went to some like went to a friend's place, and then we all went to some other thing, and it was like very arty or what I don't know, some collector's house. Like I don't know who it was, and yeah, this girl's has this onk necklace. Wait, on. there is a girl. <laughs> A girl. I was joking. Yeah. I'm sorry. She had no. Yeah. Pictures. Well, no. I'm the only male member at the moment. Well, technically. Oh, in the coven. Yeah. 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 Oh, interesting. Okay, I'll let you. Finish. But we're friend. We're friends. It's not. You know. But it's uh, not a sexual thing. No. No. Not because at all. everybody always has the idea that this, the coven thing, is everybody in an orgy. Yeah. Yeah. No, they have that idea. I have. I was involved in an orgy kind of recently, but what? that's another. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna hold you for that one in a second. But anyway, keep going. You were telling me the girl with the necklace. Sort of involved. <laughs> no, so this girl, like Naomi, one of my dearest friends now, wearing this onk necklace, I was like, yo, that's a nice necklace. Like, do you practice magic? And she's like, Yeah, I do. And like I was just like, out of nowhere. You you were joking. No, I was serious. I you mean f- I you felt it or what do you No, I you felt ask? it. I could see it in her I mean, yeah, people wear onks, I guess, but not that commonly and And you had already been this is sort of like where you were headed anyway, I think a little bit. I meet like people like witches every day and like people that practice all kind of things. Like you just sort of like find each other, I guess, in a way and every day I meet new people and talk to people about the stuff a lot. It's just what I'm interested in talking about and what I'm curious about, I guess. But so anyway, I was like, yo, like you practice. And she's like, yeah, I do. So a few days later, we're hanging out or no, we we're supposed to hang out. For some re- reason, we didn't. I went to the um, the Fairfax flea market, had my first ever tarot reading for myself, actually. So, so the cards I got were the high priest, the high priestess, justice and death. Really weird. And this what reader that, was like, what does that mean? And I'm still trying to figure it out. And the woman was like, you know, you're working on something and don't don't talk about it until it's done. But I feel like that those cards really pointed to this thing that's now come out of that, which is our group. And we've been building this thing. And then I found some things at that market that day that we've used, like this deer hoof and some other object. And then like the next day, like finally meet up. She's like, you have to meet my friend Grace. So we go pick up Grace and we go up to Laurel and we day drink. We like get a bottle of wine at Whole Foods and we're reading tarot cards and shit. And that's kind of where it started. And there's a spot that we go to that we've been going to up in Laurel, which happens to be this very occulty spot. I've learned recently uh, quite a history. Just by, of that, but just by happenstance. 
Yeah, there's this weird show. Man, maybe I'm saying way too much. There's this show at the Landing, which is awesome right now. It's about, it's like all occult stuff. And there's all this, like, so it's from this collector named Dean Stockwell. He, the, he was an actor. George Herms was, like, sending him objects, like this artist, George Herms, from San Francisco, who's, like, super occultist. And so I'm looking at, at the, their correspondence because he would send him all these zines and things, and it says, Lookout Mountain Road, the specific address. And, and that's so, how you found it. And I'm like, fuck, no. And so I look it up, and it's literally, like, directly adjacent to where we've been doing ritual since, you know, January when I... Like so, the spot we went up to and read tarot together for the first time was uh, right adjacent to this like collector's house. So, do you that, think it? Do you think there's an energy there? That you're yeah, for to? sure, there's an energy there. Yeah. Like I know of another artist who's very steeped in this stuff. Who? Yeah, I have a lot of stories actually. Well, do you think all these things like so when you're when you're thinking about like you guys are pulled together because there's an energy, and you're you're on that same wavelength of thinking about things. You think that's like an automatic and that's why you're brought together? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we see the world in a way that I haven't quite, as I meet people, some people approximate that, but not to the degree that we do together, I guess. And like, yeah, I've really learned a lot this year about reality, I guess. How um, you approach it or what? Yeah. And even our, con like my conception of it, I guess, in a sense, I've seen some really weird things that are just, that are totally utterly unexplainable and coincidental that are crazy and i've seen other members of the coven heal people i guess to back up so in october last year a year ago i did for halloween my friend ben lee you know ben lee yeah he was doing these parties and he did this thing at the ace hotel and it was like all halloween themed he's like dude do you want to hex things for people like as a project Thing or whatever, do you just want to do it? And I'm like, sure. And what's a hex do? Well, hexing like gets rid of things. And it's, I mean, a broader term is like just to cast a spell on something. But I think the popular notion is that you're like warding something off. You're getting rid of something. So he it's wanted you to come magic. in there, right, to ward off things on individual objects. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah. So I set up this tent, had people come in and I talked to them and I was like, I'll do anything you need. I can hex anything for you. And actually, no one was coercive about it. Well, people were co coercive, but they weren't dark. In what it. way? What do you mean? Well, I mean, like one woman came in and was like, my parents are really racist. And like, oh, you wanted like a, a fix for something that was like super intense. That was quite uncontrolled because I was doing it by myself. The door was kind of open so people can come and go as they wanted. So I'd be talking to someone and then people we're just walking in and then all of a sudden there's like 12 people in there and Which the more not, people you get. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's very, not great, right? It's not great. Yeah. So do you think you need to be in tune with the person that you're like dealing with? Yeah, like in front for of you? sure. Yeah. And so, and, and it's then, hard to be open when you have all those people in there. And then in February for the book fair, we did another thing at this party where we did a reading, all of us together as a coven at the LA book fair after party thing. Actually, I would say like I was a little hesitant to do this kind of thing at a party, but it was it's kind populist? of the best site. No, well, just because it's like a party, it's just sort of douchey to like do something at a party. But yeah, I mean, these is. parties are awesome. <laughs> totally they're not douchey is. at all. They're the coolest parties. <laughs> but I think having random people that come to a party that aren't expecting this, That's and then they good? like walk into this room and they're like, what the fuck is this? 
And then we're sitting there and we're like, we can help you with anything you need. And it's really off putting, I think, in a way like it's not like these people aren't Googling like, oh, I want a tarot reading or I want a crystal from House of Intuition or whatever. They just happen to be there. So at that time and then a later time, we did it at Palm Springs of Ace Hotel, like this public sort of thing during Coachella, which again sounds douchey, but it wasn't. It was cool. And uh, no, people told us some of the deepest things and often have told us things that they've never told anyone before, like dark things, intense things. I don't know what it is. I think people can feel the, quote, energy. They trust us for some reason. I think maybe because there's a couple of us. Like, Is it like not, a safe space? It's a safe space, safe space yeah. yeah. I mean, people often cry and we get right to it. And I think it's part of our insistence. We're like, what can we help you with? And they're like, eh. And we're like, no, you know what we, you know what we can help you with, right? Right. Like, you know exactly, like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? So there's a directness about it. Yeah, there's a directness, yeah. Which I think is, so if there's skepticism or there is a, there uh, from from like a crowd or for like an individual like who is going to come in and participate, maybe that is washed away by the fact that it's a very direct participation and you're not trying to sneakily get information out of someone to then tell them their future or like you know what i mean like it's not like a charlatan trying to 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 possess a situation i mean we do tell people about their future sometimes but but i mean it's not but yeah but we're not yeah exactly that in a traditional in a traditional sense everybody's like thinking of it in terms of you're trying to get one over on me yeah exactly because it was their choice to walk in and we say hey if you're not interested in this you can walk out because then some people are like "Eh, i don't know and we're like okay see you can go like there's a line here so fine which is rare, but um, so we've done that. But then since those readings, we've we have a number of people that we work with that come to us on a regular basis for spells and rituals and things. And we talked about this briefly and maybe you do or don't want to talk about this and we can I like, cut it the fuck out if you don't want to. Yeah. But I think in one of the pieces that you were doing, maybe in Romania or something, you were like channeling the spirit of somebody. Do you remember this story? The, the, the thing was like, don't be doing that. Because it could be dangerous. Oh, did I, did I tell you that? You did tell me this. Yeah, I mean, Aaron wanted me to summon the spirit of Ed Gain. So Aaron like Moulton. Commissioned, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Moulton. Aaron Moulton, who was on the show earlier. Yeah. And I was like, I'll contain this. Like, I know how to do it. But I mean, for me, I guess, like, that show is very much about the exoticization of paganism. At least my role in that. Like, And the title of the show was... And it was here in LA as well too. Yeah, yeah. At uh, the gallery was. At Nicodem, yeah. Gallery Nicodem. But the thing that interested me about that conversation was the fact that somebody knew you were channeling a spirit and thought it was dangerous in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people thought it was dangerous and a lot of people felt that. And a lot of really dark people who were quite dark were participating in the show and had made quite... It was a really dark show. Violent, dark work. We're like, oh, I love that. Like, it was awesome and, like, really felt that energy or something. And so experienced a- some very real darkness, actually, myself. And I... Through this in the last year. Yeah, for sure. And I think... But I think, you know, out of darkness comes the light, ultimately. And I have experienced that as well. Well, I guess this is what my question was going to be on this and thinking about that. Like, how do you deal with, if you're dealing with things that are sort of 
that can be dark and people are like that intent or somebody is sitting there warning you about the intent of like capturing this sort of uh, soul or bringing somebody back in. There's a lot of darkness in a lot of these things. So like in, on a personal level, like on day to day, how do you deal with the dark versus the light and like bringing this that you say you're finding light out of this darkness or what's the deal with it? Yeah, I've really found a lot of light. And I would say... Because there's there's I, dark magic and there's white magic. I mean, there's... No, no, no. I mean, magic's magic. I you don't, don't think, think there's a difference between no. like a positive and negative? No. I mean, I, I guess it's whatever value you put on it. But I think that... I think it's all about intention. I mean, it's, well, it's a tool. Ma- magic's a tool. I mean, it's like money or anything. You can use it for to fuck with someone or to do something... So if somebody you, you came, could call evil, you know, like I, I actually don't believe in evil. So if somebody came into you to the coven and asked you to to put a hex on somebody or in a way that was negative towards somebody else, would you do it? No, we we don't do that. That's the one thing we don't do is we don't do any magic affecting anybody without their permission. So either for love or for hate, either direction. It's always love. People always want people. To Do they really? Love. Yeah. It's well, it's like, I'd say it's like 70% people want love spells, but people ask. Yeah. They ask. They're like, I want this person to fall in love with me. And that seems we, insane to me. Yeah. It's insane. I just, the idea that you would, for me personally, not, not the magic part of it. The, the idea that you wouldn't want to go through the, the motions of like learning or getting to know somebody and have them fall in love with you naturally. Yeah. No, I know. Do you know it, what I mean? Like that's yeah, but I mean we've all been. I've like you that wanted way somebody. About, yeah, like haven't you? I think like a long you time really, ago. Yeah, yeah. I th- I get you know what I get. I get energy from the idea of the action of making that happen. No, no, no. no. The, I do too. The no, process. No, you know I'm, what I'm saying. I'm on the same page. So, so what we do though is someone comes in and they say, "I want this person," or "I want this job," or whatever. And what we say is we say, "Well." Why? Like, what are you after with this? So you're this vetting. Thing that you're are you trying. vetting the people as you're going through the process? No, we're not vetting them, but we we help guide them in a higher sense as well into achieving the state of life that they're after with that specific desire. But we we don't get specific with it in terms of you know, hey, we're gonna get you this exact thing. But it's like, well, why do you why do you want that? Like, what? So do maybe you feel like that's does make it you does it go back to this this thing we were talking about at the beginning too? As far as like the idea of this will give you wealth, but what is the wealth with the fingernails? Is it monetary? Is it is it emotional? Like, what's the wealth? People often have very very specific desires, and bringing the Tao to Ching actually a lot, and uh, this year, which I don't agree with all of it, but a lot of it I do. So explain and it a little bit. I don't know it. So why is it important philosophy. to you? Like, what's the relevance? I think some of the things that it gets at is that about not having any any desire at all, which I think is pretty key to you, peace and centeredness. Well, that's a like is that possible? Yeah, I think it is possible. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't have like momentary excitement or happiness or lust or whatever. Like like I think if you're always desiring something and you always have a desire, then you're never there. You know what I mean? Right. And as soon it's as you achieve it, then it's something thing. else. Yeah. yeah. I, I will tell you how I feel. I feel like in the in the last year, you have found like ground stability that has been really good for you in a way that like you've really found yourself and made some transitions that have been like in terms, not just your art practice, but like living. It seems like you're happy. 
Oh, thanks, man. I, is it really that, uh, like, you can see it or what? <laughs> I don't know. You gotta, yeah. you know, you're talking about like getting a sense for somebody and like feel like it just feels like you're in a good place. And I don't mean, I guess I don't think you're content. I think you have momentum. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I really have learned though to like, I mean, it's, you're right though. It's impossible not to have desires, but I, I have a hard I time. Think, like, I personally have a really hard time with that. So yeah, I mean, we live in a society where you're, you have to have goals, you're achieving things. Yeah, see, for me, I've really learned to appreciate being in the moment. I think if you can do that, then you have everything. It makes you happy. Your heart will never be unclenched well, if you're and, always after something. You know, it'll this be is, the next thing. It's like, okay, what's next? This is one of the things I always see, in, particularly in the art world. Um, it does not, and it's something that I it's didn't... It's all a hoax. Well, it is totally a hoax. Uh, but I didn't realize how... But I, I participate. I like well, I love it. Um, but <laughs> it's my type of hoax, man. Uh, um, but I didn't realize until I, I'm further on in my career now. So I have friends who are successful and doing well. And all that means is that it's a next level of stress. Yeah. But what is it? Yeah, exactly. What does that mean? It's yeah. stress and it's, well, it means like maybe you're making more money. Maybe you have a gallery or two or three or four. But then what I didn't realize is that it's just more stress on top of it and nothing yeah. is ever good enough. No, it's true, right? You're and then always, it's like you're then it's like some other thing. You're and always you, working harder, you're never content. I mean the truth is we're all going to be forgotten about pretty quickly. Well, most likely, right? Yeah. So and and uh, that's probably my biggest fear. For what? me, like your ego. Yeah, I don't want to be forgotten. I want to live on. I want to be in like this canon of art history or have like a conversation like yeah, long term. Well, dude, I personally, I would like my work to survive past a certain point beyond me. Right. So if nothing else, I have my kids. I think I have I'm steeped in this sort of emotional pull toward heritage and in seeing what has come before me and grabbing onto that and not wanting to let go of like a family heritage. And like um, I my mom was adopted and so is my uncle. And I see like the only people to survive on that side of the family. Like it's my cousin and then he has it like that entire side of the family is basically going to die out so this idea of an entire an entire line of a family being gone yeah. is so fraught with uh, emotion for me th- that i look at it in other terms too and the other side of my family i'm not even close to it's just for me so pushing that legacy forward in a way that like i don't necessarily need to be important in the future but I would like to be present in a way or have some type of um, authorship over what is happening with other people in a way. Well, yeah, I mean, but speaking of authorship, I mean, I've been really digging into like quantum mechanics and <laughs> just a little thing, quantum entanglement and stuff. And it's kind of come to an end. I'm a little. Yeah, there's this big notion that we actually don't have any free will. Right. Everything is sort of predetermined or what? Not predetermined, but like we're totally a product of our environment and of every moment. Like if you think of yeah, every de- every decision we make, everything we do is is totally. I guess I'm getting at that question of authorship. Like I don't know if you can author. Just let go of it. Like I don't know. I think I fucked things up pretty badly in the past that I definitely have authorship over. You know what I mean? Like some of the choices that I've made, and maybe not. But, but aren't those choices like a product of your like past history? I think my 
my present influences what my future is going to be, right? And I, I think that like the things that are happening to me currently are going to influence the decisions that I make. But I do definitely think that I have ownership in a lot of the decisions that I make. And I think a lot of them have been unhealthy. You know, so like I look at and I, I have regrets in a, a lot of places and where I look at my life and I'm thinking about like, fuck, dude. But it's who you are. It's totally who I am. So yeah. I can't I can't change who I am. I have to own it. And I, I think I do and I do it well. But you, you think about things in a certain way. And it, I've been very contemplative recently about all of those choices that I've made getting to the place where I am now. Yeah. If, if, and I, I bet you have in the last year as well, too. I have a lot that I, on, in first thought, would probably change, but I also am who I am because of everything. Right. If you so, erased one of those histories out of there, you wouldn't yeah, be the person be you are today. Person. And I, I totally agree. I wouldn't separate myself from a lot of those decisions. The only time that that I do regret it is when I hurt somebody or I, I potentially hurt somebody in the future from the decisions that I make. But you can't separate yourself from it. I don't know where I sit with this, honestly, like this question of free will or not, because on one hand, I do think that things are so interconnected and that we're a part of our, like we're a product of everything. I say this word with like the most hesitancy, but like we're a product of our universe, you know, and, but at the same time, I mean, with quantum mechanics, like there's an infinite amount of possibilities happening in in this moment. Well, And, and And it's, and it's now thought that like the multiverse is right here now i mean there's like there's another me that like walked out the door like five minutes ago right like, fuck you like, right, doing right. This, you know and there and there's and i think you can kind of choose that path too in a way and the way you see the world is well, impossibly but what i think in bringing it back into your artwork which is interesting is that you're for a long time you're creating objects to affect change through placement of an object in a space yeah or, and that's what it gets back to i mean that's what magic is that's what i've realized is like you're setting that intention in that path i mean you can use the term placebo effect but i think that that's it's maybe a little derogatory in terms of like saying oh it's just in your mind or whatever but like but we know that consciousness is in the neurons like 100 percent. like like what you think and what you see of the world is what it is to you if you see something as being good and there's an energy to it there's a presence well there's actual energy too i mean that's what we're learning is that there's like all these new age terms like energy and vibration and all that stuff like it's real yeah and it's not that it's new. in the it's science. old it's like yeah, yeah it's yeah. been there for a long time but science now is getting to the point i mean it's it's not answering the questions that we we want to know is there a creator i guess why are we here whatever like we're not getting any closer to that i mean foucault said that you know science just opens more questions really a great talk thank you for coming in tonight yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Are we done? Well, yeah, we're close. Do you want to talk about anything else? No, no, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Lazarus, thanks, dude. Thank you. Thank you.